Once again, Gushu over Botcher 5-3. Your final thank you, gentlemen, and Rob Falls. I kid because I love. The Grand Slam of Curling returns 8 p.m. Eastern. This right here is Tim and Friends. And fans of the Pebble Ice, please do not go anywhere. I'm Tim McAuliffe, and I beg for the opportunity to keep you edutained over the next 85 or 86 minutes here on Sportsnet. Not only do we have a lot of Blue Jays playoff talk to come your way between draws 11 and 12, but we got a special giveaway that just might interest you. That's right, friends. We have a signed jacket from the Grand Slam of Curling. Mm. Absolute beauty of all the names that you can find at the Boost National. In fact, if you look real close, you can see names, Jesse, like Rachel Homan, Brad Gushu, and Caitlin Laws, digital producer of the show, Jesse Rubinoff. Do we see a Rob Fault signature on that no. jacket? No. Sadly, what, what the I, hell no. is going on Sadly, there? Sadly, I don't think so. Faultsy. Like, Jonathan's got the pen. Go out and get it and add a little. Maybe Kevin Martin can add a little signature on there. Although they're probably on there. Yeah. yeah Kevin Martin, Mike Harris so. on there. We got to get Faultsy on there yeah. as well. Yeah. It's a lot of names. Like, Faultsy should be on there. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. Right below gold line, I think Rob Faults, <laughs> which would sit. Anyways, uh, here's how you can win that bad boy. All you have to do is head to Twitter. Just write to us, at Tim and Friends on Twitter. You can write to Sportsnet, anyone with the hashtag TFCurl. That's hashtag or the number sign TF, as in Tim and Friends, curl. And you are entered automatically into the draw. Jesse will randomly select a winner from a giant hat, just like Turd Ferguson had <laughs> on Celebrity Jeopardy. Jesse, can you show the folks what we're looking for here? Yeah from them on Twitter to get them into the draw for this jacket. I'll do my best Vanna White impression. If you look on the right-hand side of the screen mm -hmm. here on this curling tweet, we have a lot of very intelligent people doing exactly what we asked them to do. Hashtag TFCurl, as beautiful as it is outlaid there. And I will randomly select the winner of this beautiful jacket that doesn't have Rob Fold's autograph on yet. it. Yeah, it doesn't have Rob Fold's autograph yet. Yeah, but yeah. that jacket is still in North Bay, and we can get Faldzi to walk on over and, uh, and give it a little John Hancock. All right, so here's how we'll break it down on Tim and Friends today. Falls, Harris, and Martin will get a set for draw 12 in a flash. But in the meantime, we'll hear from Alec Manoa, the game one starter for the Toronto Blue Jays in their wild card matchup with Seattle. He talked to Arash Madani. We'll also hear from the red hot Whit Merrifield, who joins mm -hmm. me from the Rogers Center, as well as Mariners voice Dave Sims to get a set for the Jays opponent tomorrow, starting at 2.30 p.m. Eastern. 11.30 a.m. Pacific, right here on Sportsnet, Jays Mariners. We'll also continue our cross-country tour of NHL camps with a stop in Calgary and a preview of the Flames with Julian McKenzie, if time permits. All that on the journey to get you back to North Bay in the Pinty's Grand Slam of Curling. Our Boost National coverage will continue with a feature matchup, Jesse Rubinoff, of Jones and Homan. Two and both, I think they're both at one and one right now. Yeah. That is a great matchup. I've got my yellow cue card with all the information in front of me. So please stick around. It is our livelihood, and you will be rewarded with a big time matchup. Jones home and coming your way. If this is your first time with us. Welcome aboard. We always kick off the festivities with Jesse, a little sports talk and debate, and a thing we call first things first. That's where we head right now. So let's turn the trick, Eddie Wernick. Well done. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Uh, okay, the Toronto Blue Jays and Seattle Mariners worked out at the Rogers Center today ahead of the opener of their wild card series tomorrow. Injured Jays Lourdes Goriel Jr. and Santiago Espinal were out in the field, but there's still no word on their availability for the series. The deadline to submit rosters is 10 a.m. Eastern tomorrow. One thing we do know for sure, Alec Manoa will start game one, and he's looking forward to making his postseason debut. This is what it's all about right here, right? Um, you know, you train all offseason, you train all year, uh, you go through the ups and the downs, and um, you know, this, this is what it's all for, the bright lights, postseason baseball, you know, so this is what you dream of as a kid. And This is something that I've been looking forward to for my entire adult life. Um, excited, can't, you know, put, you know, one word on it. Um, humbled, happy to do it with the group of players that I'm familiar with, to do it with the staff that I'm familiar with in front office is um, something I do not take lightly. 
and uh, just thrilled that we're able to do it in front of our home fans. Um, just looking forward to a, to a really fun weekend. Uh, my high school coach used to say, pressure something you put in your tires. So uh, this is just baseball. There's just a game. Just got to go out there and have some fun and uh, leave the pressure for your tires. <laughs> he's a quote master, Alec Manoa, <laughs> yeah. and he's fired up. So uh, what kind of atmosphere are you expecting at the Rogers Center tomorrow? If it feels like a fever pitch without Jimmy Fallon and Drew Barrymore, that's because it is a fever pitch without Drew good movie. Barrymore. And good, movie. good movie. Not great. Good Not movie. great movie. Yeah. Uh, yesterday you, you registered a great movie with us. Jerry Maguire. Jerry Maguire, yeah. right. Uh, fever pitch, good movie, not yeah, great good. movie. I think they're both good movies. Okay, fair enough. Maybe even Agreed, solid disagree. movie on fever pitch, but it does feel like a fever pitch for the Toronto Blue totally. Jays, without a doubt. Mark Shapiro, in fact, tweeting out a link to a sports business journal story earlier today with some numbers that show you just how warm the Jays are getting right now. They rank seventh in major league attendance this year. And the overall audience, 2.6 million who got, went through the turnstiles at the Rogers Center today, up nearly 52% in total attendance mm -hmm. versus the last full season at Rogers Center. Now, the team was a wee bit better than they were the last time they had a full season at the Rogers Center, but you can tell. I mean, the Jays had an average viewership of almost 900,000 per game in the regular season on Sportsnet. That's a 39% increase. The season began with the most watched Blue Jays month opening month ever and it concluded with the most watched game of the season. 1.4 million people watched the Blue Jays and Red Sox on September 30th. Uh, 57 games this year had over a million people watching on That's TV. Uh, this pressure-packed two, maybe three games at the Rogers Center is going to bring back memory. I don't know if it'll be as dramatic as it was in 2015 and 2016, but just having those crowds in that building will make it feel like some of the best times in recent memory for Jays fans. I understand there was a bit of a wait. I understand you got to go back to the early 90s mm -hmm. to find times like that, but it's going to feel like it did in 2015 and 2016. Yes tomorrow at the Rogers Center, Saturday at the Rogers Center, and if needed, Sunday. There's no doubt about it. And, and what I wonder uh, with this team, you know, here I sit as a digital producer, we've seen the roller coaster that has been this season. There have been a lot of uh, negative times. Charlie Montoyo did get fired in the middle of the season. But the fact that they're peaking while they're peaking right now makes me wonder how many fans they were able to lure back in through sort of those dog days yeah. when things Started to go a little bit sideways there for a bit, but now suddenly everybody's back on board. Yeah, like the, a 21 yeah. and 11, a 22 and 11 September and October will do that. Yeah, that'll help. So there's going to be a there's a chill in the air tomorrow because it is at the end of the day October, but we should be ready to go for an amazing series. All right, so so does that chill in the air mean the dome is open or closed? It's a great question. Would you rather it open? I know we put a question out to the audience. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you before, would you rather it, as Jesse Rubinoff, digital producer of this show, would you rather it open or closed? Me personally open because there's something special about baseball being played in the outdoors, uh -huh. I believe. But there are some good reasons here, which I will show you in a second, as to why people believe the Dome should be closed for this weekend. For those new to us at Tim and Friends, you are involved in this show all the time on Twitter, and Jesse is your conduit. Like you were just at in Pittsburgh for that series, yeah. and I think you could probably speak to there being a, a difference when baseball is played out, outdoors, and even at the Dome when, when it is open. There's a different feel. I... I uh... I think the dome closed is a better home field advantage. Right. Because it's louder when the dome's closed. You're stealing people's answers here. Right. So we asked, um, should the dome be open for any of the Jays Mariners Great games in Toronto? Alike, Jesse. We'll read your answers and we will read your answers. This dome was open. That was Edwin's walk off and the dome was open. So here's the forecast for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, 11, 12, and 14. That's baseball weather, if you ask me. Let's go to a couple <laughs> of the answers. Julian says, closed. The atmosphere will be even better that way. 
John Levitt. Uh, nope, need that noise, but if it's open, I have an excuse to wear this jacket the entire game. And that follows sort of the, nice. the trend that we had in yesterday's show of showing the vintage Jays gear, and that one is a beauty. Uh, Ryan says, if I'm the Jays, I'm opening it up. Castillo hates cold weather and is notorious for pitching poorly in April May. Manoa has insulation advantage Jays with the roof open. Wait, wait, insulation? Oh, I get it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah. Close it for Ray. He can't handle that noise. Oh, look out. Jeremy, start open, close it when the sun sets and it starts getting cold. Best of both worlds, that's what you have it for. There you go, I like that. Shad says, uh, depends which way the wind is blowing, which is a good answer. Uh, Everything Blue Jays closed, I'm going to be freezing in the 500 level. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Tom, whatever home plate lady says goes, final answer. And then finally, uh, Tim and Frenzer says, I remember the same debate in 15-16 where Jays played way better with roof open, but I believe Major League Baseball is the final say over the roof for playoff games and kept it closed except for maybe one game. I actually went to MLB.com, and that is the official rule. During the regular season, it is the home team that can decide whether the roof is open or closed, mm-hmm. but in the postseason, it is either the commissioner or an MLB official that will ultimately make the decision in consultation with the home team. Do we worry about Alec Manoa getting a little too hyped for game one? I think you'll know very quickly based on the miles per hour on his fastball. I, I don't think so. I think he's proven. He's, he's played in some pretty big games down the stretch. Now, I understand that nothing's like 50,000 going crazy in a what is probably going to be a closed dome. I get that. And I get that he's 24. And I get this is only his second year in the major leagues. I understand all of that. But we have been saying all season long how this guy just seems like he's built different. Yeah. But and I worry about that built different for game one. Because that amped. built different might be a little too <laughs> amp. Scott Service, uh, manager of the Mariners, did name his three starters. Mm-hmm. Luis Castillo, Robbie Ray, Logan Gilbert. That is your one, two, three. As for the Jays, we didn't get much. Nothing on Lourdes, nothing on Espinal, nothing on Alec Manoa, or at least beyond Alec Manoa. But, Jesse, did we get something on Kevin Gossman without getting something yeah. on Kevin Gossman? Yeah, so... Kevin Gossman, uh, who many think or most think will start game two, obviously dealing with a cut to his finger. Uh, Ross Atkins was asked about Gossman's status earlier today. He's doing great. We don't expect it to limit him. Uh, We're really encouraged by the recovery. Would like to see how things go in the bullpen today, and we have not locked him in. Do you guys need to lock something in for games two and three, or could you stay flexible and make your plan depending on how game one unfolds? We could do either one. I think, you know, still working through that process, um, whether that decision comes after tomorrow's game or whether it comes before tomorrow's game. You know, we could do either one. So, again, it is nice to have a lot of different options. And, um, you know, you just try to get to the best choice that you can uh, when it, whenever you have all the information. Mm, I kind of like the idea that they're not giving up who they're going to start there. Ben Nicholson-Smith asking that last question. Yesterday he was sitting beside mm-hmm. me and suggested maybe Ross Stripling could get the call depending on which way game one goes for game two. I think most people think it's going to be Kevin Gossman. And he did speak to Julia Cruz at MLB.com, didn't he, Jesse? He did. Uh, Julia said, or the quote is from Gossman, it's fine, fingers fine, I'll be good to go whenever they tell me to. That's one thing about the postseason. You've just got to be ready for whenever that is. So they're playing some games here. Uh, The rest of the roster, the Jays have until 10 a.m. Eastern to file who will be in the lineup. Uh, Questions surrounding Yusei Kikuchi and whether Mm -hmm. or not he'll be a part of that lineup. Mitch White is down. He is not in the lineup. Neither is Nate Pearson. We know that. And according to Mike Wilner, uh, Santiago Espinal says that he is good and ready to go. So that adds another wrinkle Lourdes Gurriel Jr. and Santiago Espinal nursing injuries to end the year. Wilner said that he spoke to Espinal, says he's completely healthy and ready to go. So we do know one thing, Jesse, and that is Alec Manoa is going in game one. And earlier today, he sat down and talked with our own Arash Badani. Game one. Here we go. What, what are your emotions like right now? Uh... <laughs> Right now, I mean, place is pretty empty, and we're just going through a little batting practice. So, uh, you know, feel pretty good going through a nice day four routine, and um, just just getting ready for the show tomorrow. What do you think that's going to be like? I think it's going to be amazing. You know, uh, not only for everybody that's in this building, but um, you know, everybody across Canada and, and all Blue Jays fans around the world. Um, you know, being able to watch us and support us. Uh, you know, they've been supporting us. You know through all the grind of COVID, you know, not being able to play at home and all that stuff. So, um, you know, this isn't just for us, it's for everybody. 
I've often wondered watching you pitch because you get division opponents, you get big games. I mean, nothing quite like a postseason game. I've often wondered if you've ever felt pressure on the mound. Have you? Um, wouldn't really describe a pressure. Uh, I think there's just uh, that kid inside of me going crazy. Um, you know, that I, I grew up watching a bunch of postseason games and, and dreaming of being there, and, and now I'm here, you know, so uh, definitely a lot of excitement. Um, you know, and, and, and definitely want to go out there and, and, and do the best that I can for this team and, and for this entire country and uh, put us in a good position to be able to win the series. You've talked about watching Edwin's walk-off wildcard win and what this building is going to be like. How do you feed off a packed crowd? Yeah, I feel like, uh, I feel like energy is a big thing for me. You know, I, I try and bring good positive energy uh, every day. Especially when I'm on that mound, I'm just grateful to, to be able to take that mound and uh, to be able to be in the position that I'm in and, uh, you know, to have 50,000 people yelling and going, going crazy and, and supporting us. I mean, uh, I, I'm going to match that energy. Alec, I know right now it's Seattle and Seattle's on your mind and, and, and the task at hand. But it's amazing. I was thinking back to when we spoke in March, the end of spring. You said, I didn't really even know what a five-day routine was. Then you're mic'd up for the All-Star game and you're chatting with John Smoltz. Now you're getting the ball in game one of the playoffs. How do you make sense of what this entire ride has been this year? Um, yeah, I don't know. Hearing you say it, it's, uh, it's pretty remarkable. Um, some things has happened this year that I uh, wasn't even expecting to happen. And uh, just super grateful and super thankful and uh, super blessed, you know, to be able to be in these opportunities and um, to be able to get these opportunities and be, be ready to maximize them, you know, so... Uh, it's been a great year so far, but uh, we're not ready for it to be over yet. So let's finish the sentence. If last year was the trailer and this year is the movie, what is this postseason going to be? Um, this postseason, huh? I don't know. Uh, I got nothing dramatic for you, but I will say it's going to be pretty fun and uh, it's going to be pretty electric and uh, we're going we're gonna to feed off that energy that the crowd gives us and uh, we're going to try and reciprocate it back to them and and go do the best that we can to, I don't know, to make it a good sequel, I guess. <laughs> Whatever it is, enjoy it. Thank you. Yeah, I think it is going to be pretty fun. And Arash Madani, following that interview, uh, sent out what looks like the rally towels for the opener of this wild card series, Next Level. That'll be on every single seat. And you know, Timmy, that it is going to be a wild atmosphere. You said it's going to be just like 2015-16, and I can... Definitely agree with that. It's going to be fun. Uh, I'm really glad that I uh, that I changed into my suit today because I wore the exact same outfit that Alec Manoa wore for that interview <laughs> into work today. Uh, obviously, the bandwagon is rolling with Merrifield. <laughs> Dave Sims, voice of the Mariners, will join us a little later on. Very good. Away she goes. Bye bye bandwagon. All right, uh, to the latest on the Hockey Canada story. Um, Canadian Tire announced today that it was permanently ending its business relationship with the organization in the wake of the increased scrutiny on its handling of sexual assault allegations. Several of Hockey Canada's corporate sponsors have now pulled their support from the organization as it continues to defend its leadership amid growing calls for change. It's not like there's something extraordinarily special about the people at Hockey Canada that means they are the only people in the country that can run an organization like this. There's lots of people who could run it and unfortunately, the total loss of faith in that organization by everyone uh, means that there is, it's nonsensical that they be digging in their heels on this one. Uh, there needs to be wholesale change. They need to do it. They need to realize that uh, if, if we have to create an organization, get rid of Hockey Canada and create an organization called Canada Hockey instead, um, people will look at doing that. Uh, what was your reaction to today's news, Timmy? I mean, I'll give uh, Hockey Canada some credit here. I mean, they were able to do something that nobody has done in the last couple of years. They united political parties in Canada because all of them seem to be saying the exact same thing as the Prime Minister said, and that's impressive. I don't want to get into what Trudeau is doing because I believe that that's what we call old-fashioned political grandstanding, and I've already had a few words on grandstanding over the last couple of years. <laughs> but there is enough capable and compassionate people in and around hockey already working to fix it. Just turn to them. 
Hockey Canada can easily forget what I said on this show, what Rick Westhead from TSN said, or what the vice chair of the Standing Committee on Canadian Heritage said, or even what Sheldon Kennedy said. I mean, what does he know about sexual assault and the ways to deal with it, except for the last 20 plus years of his life, devoted to it? They can all dig their heels in, put their heads in the sand, and stay away from it. Or can they? Because they're going to listen to every single person, uh, every single thing that everyone in position of power listens to, and that's money. Like, I guarantee you what? Tim Hortons, Scotiabank, Canadian Tire, Esso, Sobeys, Skip the Dishes, Telus, and Chevy just said, which was, get it done. Change management, take your head out of the stand, and get it done. Uh, so just focus on getting it right. Because as I said, there are a lot of great people trying to make a real difference in hockey. And while the circumstances may change from sport to sport, the days of operating outside the public eye to get away with stupid bleep is over. Again, it should be a warning to every other national sport organization or group that doesn't have their ducks in a row, you're next. Be very, very careful. I don't care if it's soccer. I don't care if it's gymnastics. I don't care if it's bobsleigh Canada skeleton, which seems to have its own gong show going on right now. We see you too. Get it right before someone comes to clean it up for you, like apparently folks had to do with Hockey Canada. All right, still to come on this edition of Tim and Friends, we'll check in with Rob Falls and company from the Boost National. We'll give away the sign curling jacket. We'll do our flame season preview with Julian McKenzie, plus tons more baseball. As Mariners play-by-play -play man Dave Sims joins us with some perspective from the Seattle side. Just for the folks in BC who I know are watching right now saying, what about our guys? And after the break, the Jays' Whit Merrifield will join us on the eve of Game 1 in his first ever postseason matchup. Tim and friends, let's go, kids. Let's go. Well, I think the Raj is going to be rocking up in the six. Toronto is going to be booming. Going to Rogers Center, a very, very tall task for the Seattle Mariners. He's got some speed. He can steal a base. He can do a lot of things to help you win. Goes after and hits high and deep to left. Get up, Burr. Get up, Burr. Get out of here and down. He could have a big impact in the Blue Jays' fortune. Calgary definitely lost a lot this offseason, but they gained a lot too. Call an ambulance, but not for me. I'm going to go in front, they score. Thank you very much, Sheepdogs. And by the way, those Sheepdogs that you hear right now are over in England right now, but they return home for shows in Toronto and Belleville next week. You can get your info and tickets at Sheepdogs.com. Thesheepdogs.com is where you get that information on those two shows. By the way, hashtag TFCurl right now trending six in Canada. Mm. If you want to win a lovely jacket, hit us up. Hashtag TF Curls back here on Tim and Friends for one more hour, taking you until 8 p.m. Eastern Time and draw 12 from the Boost National in North Bay, Ontario. Julian McKenzie on the way as we preview the flame season today, plus the Jays whip Merrifield in moments, as well as Mariners broadcast legend Dave Sims right here on Tim and Friends. We're less than 24 hours away from game one at the Rogers Center. Blue Jays Central gets going 2.30 p.m. Eastern tomorrow with first pitch. At 4 Eastern, 1 Pacific, the Jays and Mariners did their team workouts today at the Rogers Center. No word on the Jays roster, which has to be submitted by 10 a.m. tomorrow. Lourdes Gurriel Jr., Santiago Espinal, hoping to be healthy enough to make it. The Jays haven't named a starter for Game 2 yet. After Alec Manoa in Game 1, John Schneider getting his first taste of the postseason as a big league manager. And he likes his team, Barry. It's a very talented group. It is a, it's a really cool mix of young guys and veteran guys, um, both on the position player side and the pitching side. And uh, the expectation for us is to continue to win. Um, this is, 
you know, the goal that we had set out in spring training and um, myself, the staff and every player in the clubhouse has all the confidence in the world in us um, being the last team standing. Rick Merrifield starting to get a bigger opportunity, starting to make the most of those opportunities. I still got something in the tank. Goes after, hits high and deep to the get up, get up, get up here. Three red home runs. That's a big hit for the Blue Jays. They needed that. He's done a lot of things lately that make you believe he could have a big impact in the Blue Jays' fortune. What have you done for me lately? And he's done a lot for them. Oh, there we go. My good luck right off the bat. Say back, back, get out of here, ball. Yeah. He has done everything, playing great defense, being a leader offensively, swinging a hot bat. He's going to start the second base for the Blue Jays in the postseason. The way he's swinging the bat, he needs to be in the lineup. This has been everything that I dreamed it would be. We got a long journey ahead, but this is a great start. Let's go. Jays roll into the playoffs among the hottest teams in all of baseball. My next guest has a lot to do with it, hitting just a ah, 417 over the last 14 games, four bombs, 11 RBIs. Ladies and gentlemen, help me welcome the pride of Davie County High School in Moxville, North Carolina, Whitley David Merrifield. Welcome to Tim and Friends with. How you doing? I'm great. It sounds like there's more than one people there. So how are you guys doing? That was a uh, standing ovation of four in the uh, Tim and Friends studio. So. Uh, that's a huge that's more than a golf clap I'll tell you that much uh, we're doing well and, and listen I, I know you just missed the run in KC with the Royals but is it starting to kind of settle in that you're going into the postseason here it is yeah we got back last night and um, you know got back to the field and saw the field with the with all the kind of postseason banners and the painting on the fields it's sort of uh, that's when it sort of started to, to hit that you know we're really here and it's, it's time to go uh, Arash Madani tweeted out uh, a picture of you getting lined up, getting a little fresh haircut. Is that just a Thursday thing, or is that a postseason haircut? No, it's a postseason thing. Nice. I got a haircut last homestand um, before the road trip, and everybody was getting one, so I was like, you know what, I'm not going to be the only one to not go get a, a haircut. So I went in there, and I don't even know if they did anything, but, you know, they put the clippers on me for a while, so I imagine something happened. As a bald dude, I'm envious. I am envious. I know your dad played a lot of ball. He played at Wake Forest. He was a second-round pick in 1983 and literally came as close as you can to making it. He was on a roster, never played a game, though. I got to think that he's excited about this, too. No doubt. Yeah, he's, he's fired up. I know he is, and um, he always says he's, he gets more excited watching me than he ever did playing. So it's he and the rest of my family, um, minus my little brother, are going to land tomorrow morning uh, in time to, to get here for the game. So excited to share it all with, with everybody and uh, just enjoy the, enjoy the moment, enjoy the experience. So the moment and the experience, you played with some dudes in Kansas City, guys that won a World Series. Have you talked to them about what to expect in the next couple of days here? Yeah, just a lot, there's a lot of people that have reached out over the last couple of days just, you know, wishing me well and uh, actually talking to Danny Duffy yesterday and he was just saying just, you know, soak it in, enjoy it, uh, feel the crowd, feel the rumblings um, and uh, I, I definitely will. I'll, I'll definitely enjoy the moment, but at the same time, um, you know, we got a job to do so it, it won't take over, but it'll definitely help the focus and the, um, the awareness and just knowing what's at stake, it's it's something you always look forward to, to playing in, in games and moments like that. So it'll it'll be a sharpen the sense. I don't know what else to say about it. It's just gonna uh, be fired the, up. I got you. I'm right there with you. Uh, it's been a weird couple of years, but like, listen, there's there's a little buzz in the air here in Toronto. Do you notice a difference between when you got here to what you're feeling right now? Yeah, I mean. Naturally, as the year goes on and, and we've played in these games that become more impactful uh, because there's not as many games left on the schedule and so the numbers kind of start working out. Like when Tampa came to town, you know, we knew that we were fighting them for that, that wild card hosting spot and then we went there. And so those games, you know, we knew were impactful. And then when Boston, New York came here, uh, we were same thing. We had Seattle and Tampa on our heels and we knew we had to take care of business to to be able to get back here and play for the wild card and um, even that first game in Baltimore we knew we if we won Seattle lost we were coming back here so 
yeah, you can feel a little more uh, energy and excitement and and, and um, just sense of urgency as to what needs to be done. So definitely the last, I would say, three or four weeks is picked up. Nice. Let's get on the field then for a little bit here. And I, I get paid to have an opinion, not sure why sometimes, but I'm not Skip or uh, Stephen A or Shannon or any of those guys. But there were times where I wondered uh, how you were going to fit in with Toronto. Did you have the same concerns at all in the early days as a Jay? Not really, honestly. Um, you know, I, I know I, I wasn't playing great when I first got here, but um, I, know, I know what I can do. I know that what I can bring to a team and, and the different abilities that I have. Um, it was just a small sample size, and I just knew that they traded for me for a reason. Um, so it was just, I knew they had faith in me and confidence in me, and it was just a matter of getting an opportunity to, uh, to showcase that. And, I was getting opportunities here and there and just wasn't doing enough to to get in the lineup on a regular basis and rightfully so I mean it's you're at a point where games matter you got to win games and you got to roll out the best guys that you got and I wasn't one of the best nine at the time and um, but again I, I I've been playing this game for a long time I've done some pretty cool things some things that not many people have ever done so I I've never lost confidence in myself it was just a matter of showing that to a new team right uh, new teammates new coaching staff and you know fortunately I, I was able to do that sort of kind of I guess at the right time the right. perfect Tr time right trust your talent trust your confidence I, I know you went from being an Ironman in KC uh, I guess 553 straight games you're playing a role early in Toronto I mentioned the numbers of late off the top has the difference in your mind been just trusting the talent has it been uh, getting more playing time uh, or is there more to it? Is there some confidence in there too? Or is it just you knew it was there and it just had to come out? There's a lot of factors. There are, um, you know, stuff that I won't really go into. But, uh, you know, a matter of being on a new team, um, trying to do things probably that were outside of what I should be doing, I guess yeah. my approach should be for me to be successful. Um, and then, you know, coming from uh, an organization or a team that, that really wasn't in the thick of it for the last couple of years and having to, to maneuver through that and then come to a team that's right in the middle of a playoff push and sort of transitioning that, that mindset, uh, which is something that I've been, I've been really wanting to do, but it does take a little bit of a transition. Um, so, I mean, there's a, there's a lot to it other than just, you know, black and white numbers. And I know everyone likes to look at numbers now. Analytics is like what it's never been before. It's, it's just it's, it's, it's a crutch in, in some instances. But there's a lot to it that people don't understand that haven't been in that clubhouse and, or, or between the lines. So, um, again, it was just not to make excuses, but there was a, there was, there's, a lot, there's a lot that goes into it. And I, I'm glad that that I'm playing well right now. There, there are human beings behind a lot of those black and white numbers, without a doubt, and I think people sometimes, at least fans and, and even us in the media sometimes discount that a little bit too much. We try not to here at Tim and Friends, but uh, it does happen every once in a while. So I mentioned those black and white numbers off the top. Uh, the slashes are pretty ridiculous. We, we flashed them up there. Is there a magic tonic to keep that going in the playoffs? It just it's sort of a stick with you know what you've been doing. You stick with the same approach, the same mindset, um, the same preparation. And that's all you can do in this game. It's it's such a game of of skill mixed with a little bit of luck. I mean, all you can do is is prepare, go up there, and put together the best at bat you can. And a lot of times that doesn't work out. Um, you know, you could get a bad call from an umpire that changes the at bat around. You can hit a ball hard that gets caught, or you know, on the flip side, you could get a borderline ball strike that gets a ball. Now you're sitting 2-0. Or, you know, you flare one, lands on the line, you get a double, and everyone's like, oh, it's a yeah, but that wasn't as good as my bat where I smoked it and the guy caught it, you know. Right. But so there, there's, there's a lot that goes into it as far as things when things are going right. And, you know, I've been riding a good streak, and hopefully that'll keep up for another month of some change. Uh, I'm going to keep that and play that for my 12-year-old son a little later on when he's complaining about getting hard hits caught on the field. Uh, let's talk about those human beings before I let you go uh, that, are, that are surrounding you on that field. What's the one or two things about this group that you didn't realize until you spent some time in that clubhouse? 
these guys are just a bunch of a bunch of dogs. I mean, a bunch of guys that that really care about winning, care about each other, and put the work in, do the preparation, and when it's time to step between the lines, they're doing what they got to do to win the game. Um, the egos are. Everyone's got an ego, but the egos are, I guess, directed in the in the right kind of way, uh, which is what you want. You know, you want guys that are confident in themselves and have a belief in themselves, but they're playing the game, you know, for the other, I guess, nine guys on the field uh, in the lineup and and all playing for that similar goal. And that's what we got on this team, and it's rare to find uh, throughout the course of, of the league. So. It's a, it's a special group. It's a fun group to be a part of, and I'm excited to see what, what we can do. All right, one more for you. Are there one or two guys who surprised you when you got into that clubhouse, whether it be work ethic, talent, or just the ability to keep the clubhouse light? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, you, baseball is kind of it's a small fraternity. You get to know guys from playing against them, but you don't really ever know them until you get in the clubhouse. Um, Chappie's an absolute hoot. Uh, I've known Chappie for a little while. I played against him for a long time, but again, never really knew Chappie. Uh, he's he's a he's a treat. Um, Jano is one of my favorite people. Uh, just a salt of the earth, blue collar, Wisconsin, just good old boy. Uh, I love love spending time with him. Uh, I've gotten pretty close with Romy actually. Uh, Jordan, he's 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 a lot of fun too. Uh, love messing with with Timmy, Tim Meza. Um, you know, Tay Oscar's like just a light of sunshine every time he's in, he's around and, and cracks a smile. Um, Vladdy's awesome. Bo's just a dynamic leader, and uh, it's a great group. It's a lot of fun, and we have we have a great time. Hey, listen, I know a lot of folks uh, back home in North Carolina will be watching. I know uh, a lot of folks down in South Carolina where you played some ball and were born are watching. So appreciate you taking the time doing this here uh, with us on Tim and Friends. No doubt. Go Blue Jays. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Whit Merrifield. When we return, we'll check out the other side. That's right, Mariners back in the playoffs for the first time since 2001. We'll talk to the longtime voice of the Mariners, Dave Sims, about what the Jays can expect from them next right here on Tim and Friends. Folks out here at the ballpark, 3-2 to Cal. The pitch from Acevedo. A drive deep to right field, down the line. The Mariners win this game 2-1. The dream lives. They're going to the playoffs. The drought is over. Cal Raleigh, wow. Hey now, hey now, hey now. Those hey nows from Dave Sims as the Mariners clinch their first Playoff berth since 2001. He will join us momentarily. The Mariners also worked out at Rogers Center today, met with the media. Manager Scott Service spoke about the bright lights of the playoffs facing his team. You know, all teams react differently to it. Um, this is our first go around here with the Mariners in quite some time. Um, many of our players have never been in the postseason before. Fortunately, we have a few that have been. And, uh, you know, those are the guys you really lean on. That's who the other players lean on, whether it's a, the Carlos Santana's, Robbie's been around a little bit. They understand uh, what it's like and, and the kind of the, the wave of emotion that goes on through a playoff series. So, uh, again, the adrenaline's high. Our guys are ready to go tomorrow. All right, my next guest caught for the uh, Bethany College Bison. And according to Wikipedia, my chief source of knowledge also played a little football. But he's well known across the lower mainland. In fact, all of BC and after a brilliant call in the Cal Raleigh home run, a little more well known across the world. The already legendary voice of the Seattle Mariners, Dave Sims. Welcome to Tim and Friends. How are you? Good to be with you guys. And hello, all you Mariner fans in BC. Yeah. <laughs> do you, uh, before we get into that, do you like hearing your calls back or do you, like a lot of us, cringe at the sound of your own voice, even when it's as cool as that was? If I nail it, bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that. Uh, so we've done a lot of digging on the Mariners in these parts, but stats are like Nicki Minaj videos. They show us a lot, but they don't show us everything. So as a guy who has watched Seattle all season long, what's the biggest thing you would miss about this team if you just looked at the stats? 
Well, I was just thought, it's interesting you say that. I was talking to Tim Kirchin, a Hall of Fame writer from uh, ESPN. And mm-hmm. They talked about their Buck Showalter called them one time and said, Hey, man, there's, I saw 37 different things in a game tonight that you can't measure. And I, I would agree with that. Uh, I mean, the stats can tell you a lot, but you don't see the, the guts, the togetherness of this ball club, uh, the resilience of this ball club. I mean, we're talking about being down, uh, what was it? Uh, they were down 29. They had a record of 29 and 39 and finished something like 61 and 34. So um, it's it's been an unbelievable ride. It's been a fantastic ride as I changed my power source here. And uh, um it's just a good group. I mean, they've been down a bunch. They and they've they've been they've been up a little bit too. I mean, they had the the, the what was it the fourteen game winning streak. Um, they had a run. They had a run where they couldn't drive in runs with runners and runners in scoring position to save their their butts there for a while. But they had a team meeting. It was one of those come to Jesus moments, mm-hmm. and, and and that was during the time they were going through. I get my power switch plugged in. They were. Uh, uh, they had a team meeting. They talked it out. They had to scuffle with the Angels, which everybody saw. That was maybe not the number one galvanizing factor, but it certainly was a piece of it. Mm-hmm. They're all together, and they made a terrific run in the second half. Um, so, and then the other numbers, Julio and, and some of the stars. You know, a lot of home runs. The other thing too, since August one, hit more home runs in the American League. Than we got you covered on the power source, by the way. We cover it with B-roll and stuff. It's all fancy TV <laughs> yeah. things. So we we got you. With pros, pal. We, we got Good you back. Pros. We got you My back. Uh, you mentioned you Julio Rodriguez. Alert. That's one yeah. of the names that most folks know. He's been battling a back injury, but uh, Davey looked okay in his return, didn't he? I will tell you what. Second pitch yesterday, upper tank. Uh, or Davey? Yeah. Uh, is that my flummox? Yeah. <laughs> Two days. Two days. Um, and a couple, three days ago. Uh, he came out and just smoked a, a, a pitch into the, let's see, in the center field. He went three for four. I think his first game back, he came back against Detroit. The guy is an absolute, oh, he's just a mega talent. 21 years old, great kid, super talented, um, accepts it and deals with all kinds of challenges, has fun. I mean, look at, you know, look where he hit the ball. Me? And here's the other thing. He covers a heck out of center field, covers gap to gap. He's got a great throwing arm. So, and he, you know, when he was out of the lineup, you could feel uh, there was something missing. There was a right. spark missing. And th- that's one of the many dynamics uh, that he brings to the table. So let's talk about because it feels like most of the offense comes from a couple dudes. That's You're not alone in that in Major League Baseball. Eugenio Suarez is one of those guys. He's been battling a finger, too. I mean, these guys were, were hotter than a firecracker around the deadline. Slowed down a wee bit down the stretch. Was it those injuries, and should they be better for these playoffs? Oh, Gino's pretty much, I would say he's about 100% back. I mean, it was right here at the tip. There was a fracture up in here, and it kept him out for, I don't know, a week or 10 days or something. We missed him big time. Julio, uh, he's 21 years old, so I like the chances that, uh, you know, and our our uh, recovery staff, our physical fitness crew, uh, crew uh, the trainers, they do a great job, and he's, he's come back again. He's 21 years old, so his resiliency and his ability to bounce back is outstanding. Um, and and the, the strength of the ball club has been starting pitching and, and the bullpen. The bullpen has been uh, just remarkable. They've had a couple of hiccups, but they've rebounded really well. And they, they give you such a variety of looks and angles um, that it just makes it, it – they're tough. They're tough to deal with. Postseason baseball, as you know, puts kind of an emphasis on pitching, and you just mentioned the bullpen. But this team's going to roll out a, a pretty good starting three if we get to three. Yeah, you bet. Uh, Luis Castillo, as, as Scott Service said, uh, when Jerry DePoto made the move to get him from uh, Cincinnati, he has the Suarez and Winker, and I think Kirk Casale maybe just had not been with us yet, but he said, that guy's a dude. <laughs> and you see it when he's when he's out there. He's got poise. He's got presence. And we got him about a week, 10 days after he had shoved it to the Yankees at Yankee Stadium. Then we ran him out there against the Yankees at the stadium. And he had another outstanding game. He knows what he's doing, that arm angle. Look how he, he does so many things with the ball. He's got a great sinker. He's got the great two-seamer uh, he, that can run away from left-handers and bore in on right-handers. Uh, he's going to be tough to deal with. I, I like Alec Milo. Don't get me wrong. I have a lot of respect for him. The Mariners mm-hmm. beat him in a uh, close game at our place. But uh, he's really special. Robbie Ray, obviously, the motivation. He almost don't even have to address that. He's not fired up. He's going to be. And then Logan Gilbert, uh, if necessary, on uh, on Sunday. 
Yeah, Robbie might have to wear bigger pants. He might be so fired up that he might have to go a size higher on the pants. Uh, listen, I, I got a rep for my folks in the lower mainland in BC. Uh, do you get a sense of just how many Canadian Mariners fans there are doing your work in Seattle? Yeah, it's interesting you say that because so many times when the Blue Jays are coming in and I always say, hey, you Mariner fans, and we love our Canadian neighbors, but don't let them. Don't let them just bogart the ballpark, you know? <laughs> I mean, you know, come on, you know? It, it, but I tell you what, it, it provides, it's a fantastic atmosphere. You drive through it, and that, that's emblematic right there, boy. When the gate's open at 5 o'clock, it's like no oh. global land rush. It is so cool. <laughs> and you drive through Pike Place Market where everybody, you know, stops at least once or twice a day, and, and people are wearing their colors. And so, you know, Every time they come in, we're looking, and it doesn't matter if we're good or they're good or one's bad or even if both are bad, the crowds are always good. And they usually, the schedule makers, it's one of the things they do right. They get them in there to Seattle in the summertime, usually after July 4th when the weather is just about spectacular. Right. Right and and friendly neighbors, which is which is very yeah. important. Oh, without a doubt. And, yeah. and always. It's not like it's not like where I'm from, where I'm born and raised in Philly. Yeah, it's no. Not like if you were come to an Eagles game and wear a cowboy. <laughs> yeah, no. And you were that's basically asking to get your butt kicked. Yeah, yeah. You could even ask Michael Irvin; he'd say the same thing, and he played yeah, for the right. Cowboys. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so so a lot of us here in the North remember an, M, an M's fan named Daniel Carroll who got fed up with the Blue Jays invasion and started making signs, things like Stanley Cup champs since 1994, uh, bare naked ladies, Mr. Dress Up, all dressed chips, all caught strays from Daniel. I just got to ask you, any idea if he crosses the border for this bad boy and returns the favor? I don't know, but yeah. I, I tell you what, be prepared just in case he does. <laughs> I, and I also hope he has his own personal security if he's going to take those kind of signs. We can't turn the table on him. You guys are so good to us when the Jays fans go across the border in Seattle. we got to return the favor. Some of these signs are hilarious, although I will argue that the CFL field is actually better than the NFL field. But we'll save that for another conversation. That, that you know... That, that's a reasonable argument. Really. <laughs> it's, it's bigger. It allows people to have a little more room off it. Nah, never mind. Uh, yeah. Great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's why we run a lot of RPO up here. And I know that you know your football because I remember you calling football as well. Dave, Appreciate that. Thanks. great catching up with you. I, I wish you but nothing but the best while you're here, and hopefully we get a real exciting two or three games here. Tim, good to see you, man. Thanks for the time. I really appreciate it. Say hello to all the folks that you work with. I will. I will. The legendary voice of the Seattle Mariners, Dave Sims, right here on Tim and Friends. And uh, Jesse, mm -hmm. uh, Daniel Carroll does come with the sign. I, I have no idea if he's coming here, but if he does, it'll be fun. I have more. There's just it's never ending. From <laughs> it is no, it's yeah. never ending, without a doubt. Death taxes and the Bruins in seven. Like it's just. <laughs> <laughs> it's just genius. That's... People who walked on the moon, USA 12, Canada, nothing. I got more, right. more over here. Uh, you saw those ones. Uh, a sorry with a yeah. Mariners logo. Yeah. Uh, be a pal. Take your geese home with you. <laughs> yeah, they are. Right, the guy's, yeah. a, the guy's a genius. Like uh, these are, these are all tweets that would probably do really, really well. But he made them into signs, yeah. and now we have old them. school. Yeah. Uh, we officially have split the sports fan in BC. The Lower Mainland has turned into the Hatfields, the McCoys, mm -hmm. the Shelbyville, and Springfield, the Kanye and Pete Davidson. Like, I know that BC <laughs> thinks that we are Toronto centric here, and I swear I try. I swear I try, but sometimes it is uh, hard to please you. But an interesting dichotomy out west right now. Like, we, we were watching uh, Sakaris and Price. Uh, they are divided in Vancouver on who they're supporting, whether it's Seattle or Toronto. John Jang says there's only one right way for the Vancouver sports fan, force-fed Toronto-centric stuff, and it is the Mariners. And he's not the only one. I mean, do we ask BC and BC only, are you Mariners country, or God forbid, do you support something from Toronto because it's Canada's team? Like, we, do we should. Do that? We should, but you think, like, can we geo-restrict it? Because I, I don't think it's only going to be BC viewers. Right, it'll be hijacked by others. A 100% chance well, of that let, happening. Let's just try. Okay, fine. BC-only poll. We're on later now, right? Like, I, th I think we're 
It is now 4.30 in mm -hmm. B.C. It looks like the rest of the provinces in Canada are getting their taste of Tim and Friends right yes, now. Yes, SJ writes in and says, Albertans and Manitobans getting a chance to watch Tim and Friends at 5 to 7 local the past few days. Just <laughs> an incredible meme. This is what... It, being in Toronto feels like. There you go. Uh, a, fun, a fun subplot to it all, uh, what BC fans are thinking. Uh, we'll see. The numbers are going to be huge regardless for this two or three. All right, on the other side, we will continue our Canadian NHL previews with the most interesting team of the offseason. With all due respect to the Ottawa Senators, the Calgary Flames. Did Brad Trilliving somehow make this team better? We'll discuss with the Athletics' Julian McKenzie next right here on Tim and Friends. Welcome back, friends. Draw 12 coming your way in about 22 minutes' time, but our NHL season previews continue with the Calgary Flames. What an offseason of change it was in Cowtown. With more on that, here's Anthony Caminiti. After the summer Bradshaw Living had, you might as well call him Don Corleone. Just when I thought I was out. It's Columbus for Johnny Goodrow. Kachuk does not want to re-sign long-term in Calgary. They pull me back in. Matthew Kachuk, he has been traded to the Panthers in a blockbuster deal that includes Jonathan Huberto. Nazem Kadri signing a seven-year, $49 million deal with the Flames. Perhaps Calgary's offseason can be best described this way. Oh, oh, call an ambulance! Call an ambulance! but not for me. Johnny Goudreau, Matthew Kachuk, and Sean Monaghan are out, but Jonathan Huberdo, Nazim Kadri, and Mackenzie Wieger are in, which begs the question, are the Flames better or worse? If you think that the NHL is wanting goal and on the blue line and down the middle, you know, Calgary's good in all those areas. Calgary's top line might have been hockey's best last year, but lack of depth proved costly down the stretch. Game winner, series winner for Connor McDavid. Kadri strengthens the team up the middle, and like Kachuk, he's a total pain to play against. Yeah, baby! With Uyghur in the fold, the Flames boast one of the deepest blue lines in the NHL. Unfortunately, their dressing room won't be receiving that same acclaim anytime soon. <laughs> There may not be a Norris Trophy candidate on this blue line, but they can roll all three deep pairings in any situation in front of a Vezina nominee in Jacob Markstrom. Jacob Markstrom has been absolutely sensational. Oh, he's at or near the top in almost every category. You can expect to see playoff hockey in the Saddle Dome next spring, but the burning question in Calgary remains, can the Flames make a cup run? To uh, further the case on the Calgary Flames, brand new to the Athletic in Calgary, old friend of the show, it is Julian McKenzie who joins us from Cowtown. What's going on, Julian? How you doing, man? Doing really well, guys. Great to, to see you guys. Uh, happy to see you're all doing well. We, we know you're new in Calgary when the walls are as bare as they are right now because you had a great <laughs> setup in Montreal. I'm going to tell you that right now. Uh, so let's get right to hockey. Million-dollar question in Calgary. Could they be better? Look, on paper, they look like it. Their center depth is better. Their top four on defense looks better. Obviously, Jacob Markstrom has to play at a high level and make everyone forget about the postseason last year. But I, I, I generally think, looking at this Calgary Flames roster, uh, Brad Living, the general manager, did as best as he could to make it better than what the team was last year. And again, just that center depth. This is a team that could roll out Elias Lindholm on one line, Nazem Kadri on another line, yeah. and Michael Backlund can fall into the third line spot there. And you, you get a guy like Jonathan Huberto, who Daryl Sutter called probably the best passer the franchise has ever had. And I know some guys on the top line are still adjusting to him, but that is a high quality player. I think on this show around this time last year, I said he was probably the best left winger in the game. And I think yeah. he still is. So the flames very much are a team that have these pieces. Mackenzie Weger obviously doing well at the back end as well on paper, because the games still have to be played. They still have to go up against Edmonton and make their case for the Pacific division. But at least on paper, I think you could totally make the argument that the Flames look better than they did last year. I remember that conversation. It was an MVP conversation. We were having a conversation middle of the year about who was the most valuable player in the league. And, and obviously, till the end, he was right there. Uh, Florida decides to go a different way. And all of a sudden, and I'm not sure 
the folks in Western Canada, folks in Calgary know what they're getting in Jonathan Huberdo. And, and maybe that's why Sutter said what he said, because this is going to be a treat for folks to watch. I don't know how it ends up in the postseason, but you have got the best passer maybe in the game right now. The passing is one thing, but just off the little glimpses I've gotten to see of him in preseason, a guy was able to do his thing on the power play. He scored this power play goal where he was able to work down low and create his own opportunity. The size, the strength, the ability. The fact this is a new guy, too, who has already integrated himself and has no problems doing that in that organization, into that leadership core. Like, I, I really I really wonder with you know, if they're going to give him the A this year, if that could turn to something else down in the future. But Jonathan Huberdeau, with the size and the skill that he has, that's one thing. But it it feels as if, at least from the outside looking in, he has done other things to make himself a real part of that organization. Of course, also having that extension in tow helps. Right. Uh, the, the interesting part of the Sutter comments is that how people are reading them. They, it feels poignant at this juncture in time. Do you feel the same way about the most interesting man in hockey? <laughs> man i'm just happy every time i get to be an oppressor with him and he doesn't bite my head off it's he's really an interesting person to ask questions to i thought he's made some interesting comments i mean we were talking about the huberto comment but uh i remember he got asked about the difference between uh, tyler Toffoli and and matthew kachuk yeah. and he was basically saying hey like one guy's been on some deep runs and has won the stanley cup before i, I don't I'm, I'm really i'm still getting used to daryl sutter the the soundbite as it is but I, I it's very intriguing and very good for our line of business that he's willing to make comments like that and you know it doesn't seem as if he'll care that much that we're going to read into them as much as we do right uh, but still going to be very entertaining for our job i almost feel like they're planted like i think he's trying to boost the confidence of his team and also say something about where they want to be like they're all year long he said, we haven't done anything until we do it in the postseason. Like, Daryl Sutter is not there to win regular season games. He's there to win when it matters most. And Uberdo is going to be a big part of that. Toffoli is going to be a big part of that. And Nazem Kadri, who is a proven playoff performer. Um, do you think we see him mess around on the first line? Or will that center depth be something that they try to exploit other teams with? I would be very surprised if they put Nazem Kadri on the first line. If they're up training camp, they've put out the line of Jonathan Huberdeau, uh, Elias Lindholm, and Tyler Toffoli. I would expect that they're going to keep those three on that top line. And I think it just makes it more balanced out if you just keep a guy like Nazem Kadri on the second line. And he's looked really good with Andrew Maggiapane and Dylan Dubé. Yeah. That being said, Kadri looks as if he's going to get a lot. Of, he's going to get some PP one time. Uh, so he could get some time in the bumper spot and they might move him around there as well. So even if he doesn't get that first line opportunity with, with Huberto, he could at least get some touches on the power play. I do believe Calgary, one of the friendliest cities in all of Canada. So if you see this young man, Julian McKenzie, walking around Calgary, say hello to him. He is new, working for The Athletic, and, of course, uh, always on the CJ Show. Thanks for doing this, buddy. Thanks so much for having me, man. Take care of yourselves. There is uh, Julian McKenzie, at JKA McKenzie on Twitter, if you want to follow him, Calgary fans. All right, our other friends, Jeff Merrick and Elliot Friedman, wrapping up the 32 Thoughts podcast tour in Hamilton tonight and we are sending two lucky winners to check it out on our socials. Merrick asked the uh, following question. Name the NHLer who is the oldest to make his Stanley Cup debut at 40 years and seven months. The answer of course from the hammer Dave Anderchuk. Congratulations to Ron Wilk and his son Ryan who are going to Boston Pizza in Hamilton tonight. Enjoy the live, live pod fellas. And uh, good to see Merrick and Elliot doing well. Time for one last break. We'll do our NFL picks week five against the spread in last call with Jesse Rubinoff. Plus, we'll give away the curling jacket and check in with Falzi and company from the Boost National ahead of Draw 12, which is coming up on Sportsnet. TF Curl trending across Canada. Jesse, we were giving away an autograph jacket from the Boost National. That bad boy gone? Not gone, but it is spoken for. Oh, nice. The winner of the curling jacket, which we asked the viewers to chime in with hashtag TF Curl, and we would select the winner at random. Well, that random winner is 
Callie Hep. Whoa, what a nice jacket. If I win, I want Tim to try it on and shoot a few rocks at his local curling rink so I can also say it's game worn by Tim McAuliffe. Hurry hard, Timmy. <laughs> Hurry hard. Uh, my, Congratulations. My, my local curling rink was shut down. It was also the home rink of Eddie Wernick. Oh, there you go. Rail side. Nice. Yes, but uh, I'll have to find a new rink to uh, to try tossing those rocks. First, love first last call. All I would, together. I would love to do that. It's a fun game, without a doubt. Uh, and a preview of what we'll see in Draw 12 from the Bruce National in minutes, right here on Sportsnet. Let's send it to Rob Falls with Joan McCusker and Kevin Martin. Folks, take it away. Tim, thanks very much here in North Bay as we get ready for draw 12. Two very big names in the curling world go head to head, but with changes. Joan, let's begin with Jennifer Jones. She's the only one. She joined a very young, talented team. That's right. Uh, Jennifer, what do you do when you've won it all? Well, Jennifer picked up some juniors from two years ago, the world junior champion, this team, Zacharias, and she asked to join this team. They said yes, and has it ever worked out? They have won money in four out of the five events they've gone in this year. They're number one for the season, and it's looking like that risk is paying off for Jennifer Jones. Jennifer Jones' team is facing Rachel Holman. Both teams are one and one. Rachel Holman, though, Kevin, added one player, but they changed everything around. Isn't that funny? Yeah, Tracy Fleury, the only new player, but second, Sarah Wilkes moves to lead. Emma Miskew, the third forever, well, the moves to second. Tracy Fleury skipping, but not throwing the last ones. Rachel Holman throwing the last ones, not skipping. So you think one change? Oh, no big deal. No, it's a complete change. And told Rachel told me, you know what? We have just got to be patient. And I agree, they do have to be patient. That's a lot of change. This is what happens on a new four-year cycle. They finished the Olympics in 2022. They put teams together looking ahead to the next Olympics. But we're looking ahead to this matchup between Jennifer Jones and Rachel Holman. It's all coming up here on Sportsnet from North Bay. Tim? We are about eight minutes away from that. Thank you very much, Joan, Kevin, and Rob. All right, we are off tomorrow for game one of the Jays and Mariners, which means we have to give you our week five NFL picks against the spreads. Let's check out the odds. Powered by Bet Rivers, it's a whole new game. Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook app today. We'll start with the picks from both Jesse and I, and I will bat lead off. Jesse, I'm taking the Seahawks plus five and a mm, half like on the road in New Orleans. Let me get on this Geno train. The Saints aren't healthy, too. Both quarterbacks, significant injuries, though Kamara might be back. But I'm on the Geno train. I'm on the bandwagon. Third-rated passer in the NFL ahead of Herbert, ahead of Josh Allen, ahead of Tom Brady, and ahead of, oh, yeah, Russell Wilson. Give me the Seahawks plus five and a half. Coming with the hard-hitting statistics as well. I like the Dolphins here. I know Tua's not playing, but I don't think Teddy Bridgewater has to do very much He's got playmakers in Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. It is minus three. Dolphins on the road. I think they're a very good team. They don't ask their quarterback to do too much. And I think Teddy is more than capable of getting the job done. We've got a one-game lead through four weeks on the SN Bets crew. And we've got two more picks from that group. They're taking the Lions on the road, plus three against the Patriots. And also the banged-up New York Giants. Can the Packers score we're about to find out. Giants plus eight in that one again. Tim and friends, five and three on the season. SN bets taking their cues from their collective. Four and four on the year. Those are our picks against the spread for week number five Packers. in the National Football League. And from that, we get to last call. Is that game in London? Packers, Giants, I think it yeah. is. Weird stuff often happens in those games. So early morning, cross yeah. the pond, not really the road. I do like their Lions pick, though, and I know you do, too, because the Lions are... Yeah, they, they score. Yeah. They score, but they're also banged up as well. I'm yeah. a little nervous about that one. Uh, okay, so uh, you don't have to wait very long if you want NFL football tonight. No. Because uh, it begins in Week 5 with the Colts and Broncos on Thursday Night Football. Colts running back Jonathan Taylor is out with an ankle injury. Both teams came into the season with very high expectations, but they have struggled early. Is there still hope in either Denver or Indy, Timmy? Well, this is the stat of the day. None of the seven NFL quarterbacks that changed teams this season has a winning record heading into October, two of them playing tonight. But it's not all that rare. Peyton Manning started out 2-3 and three in Denver before winning 11 straight. Tom Brady lost five 
of his first 12 in Tampa two years ago before guiding the Bucks to the Super Bowl. Listen, it hasn't been a great start for Matt Ryan or Russell Wilson, but things can change. It'll be interesting in both those places because if they don't change, both those coaches are on an extremely mm-hmm. hot seat. It's been brutal to watch the Broncos, frankly. What, like the Colts what? have been obviously very bad too, but the Broncos' expectations were, I think, a little bit higher. But if they brutal. win tonight, they're three and two. I know they should be on four. They're not. They're not. But they should be. You are what your record says you are. That is correct. Bill Definitely Parcells. in football as well. Yes. Uh, we are less than 24 hours away from the return of playoff baseball. Yes, sir. To Rogers Center. Coverage of game one between the Mariners and Jays begins at 2.30 p.m. Eastern time on Sportsnet. And the best of three series will be over before our next show. Wild. So will the Jays still be alive in the postseason when we're back on the air on Monday? Thanksgiving Monday, we return to this air. And if the Jays' bats do any damage, the answer is absolutely, positively yes. But it's such a short... Listen, I think Major League Baseball got it right. The one and done they thought was going to be March Madness, it didn't feel like baseball. Mm -hmm. This is a better way to do it. You get more a feel of baseball. And it's just... It's... Can the bats put up a few runs? Because I think they're going to get good starting pitching. I think they'll get solid bullpen work. Can the bats get it done? If they do, we'll be back and talking about the DS on Monday. Yeah, I mean, tomorrow's game is just so incredibly pivotal in a three-game series. Uh, we did ask the poll of baseball fans in British Columbia. Mm-hmm. And I want to get an update to it. Who are you really cheering for? The Blue Jays, the Mariners, 92.7% say Blue Jays. And it's over 1,000 BC votes. Do you, do let's, you, take, let's take the people for what it's worth, what they say they are, and it's over a thousand votes from BC viewers. You're, you're smiling because you don't believe it's BC viewers that actually voted on that poll. No, but hey, we'll take it. Who will take it? Jays. No, we will. We will take the numbers. We'll take a thousand people. Who's we? The show. Okay. <laughs> Just I'm not saying we Blue Jays. I'm not, yeah, I'm no, not, I don't do that. Yeah. No, 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 no. No, no okay. You can't, you can't I'm making sure here that we aren't we. But, right? But is it changed with Canadian teams only? When there's only one Canadian team. That is a bigger conversation for another day. No, it doesn't change, but we do report on them. All right, that does it for us. <laughs> We're off tomorrow with the Jays playoff taking over the airwaves. Uh, we are across the network for the Jays tomorrow. We're back on Thanksgiving Monday. But for now, we send it to Rob Falls for Draw 12 from the Boost National. Enjoy the curling. Enjoy the pebbled ice. Enjoy the featured matchup. And we'll talk to you again on Monday.